0: Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. This is Diane Hartley, President of the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. In this episode of our Blueprint series, we're talking about the importance of negotiation, and we're going to focus on building persuasive conversations. Joining us today is author and entrepreneur, Steve Yastra. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Real Marketing, the only marketing firm recommended exclusively by the Institute. Real Marketing utilizes over 25 years of expertise, and their products are built and customized for you to dominate any neighborhood, anywhere. Go to realmarketing4u.com. That's realmarketing4u.com. Also, look for past uh, State of Mind episodes with CEO David Collins as our guest. Today, we're going to talk about step five in the Institute's luxury marketing blueprint, negotiation. And our guest, Steve Yastro, knows quite a bit about that, having written multiple books about sales and marketing success. Steve is the author of Ditch the Pitch, the art of improvised persuasion and the founder of Yastro & Company. Steve's a nonstop idea generator, business advisor, and best-selling sales author. When he's not creating new ideas for his books and other writings, He's thinking about how to apply his ideas to his clients' businesses. Steve is the author of three books, Brand Harmony, We, the Ideal Customer Relationship, and of course, Ditch the Pitch, a best-selling sales book. He's a former senior marketing executive with Hyatt Hotels and is now president of Gastro and Company, his consulting firm. We're so pleased to have Steve on here with us to share the persuasion techniques he's written so eloquently about. So hi, Steve. It's great to have you. Uh, welcome Diane. to the
1: podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so tell uh, tell us a little bit about you, Steve.
1: Well, thanks, Diane. It's so good to be back here with you on your podcast. And my name is Steve Yastro. I live in Chicago. And how did I get here today? Why were why we in this conversation? Well, I started out my career in more traditional marketing and sales. And I got into the hotel business by my early 30s. And I started to realize, I looked at what was really working to drive people's preference to want to buy from a company I was with. I at hotels. I realized it had less to do with the advertising and the direct mail and later on the digital marketing and more to do with those human connections, things that happen when a person who represents a company interacts with a customer. Now, obviously we can't always have those human connections, but when we can, it's a real time to, to an opportunity to really move a customer's preference for you or to move them the other way if that interaction isn't good. So I focused most of my career on these human connections. How do we build relationships with customers? And a big part of that is how do we sell? And what became really clear is that the way most people sell isn't the most effective way to do it. We think of a pitch. Let me tell you how good I am and convince you to buy from me. You can't convince anybody to do anything. You have to engage them in a conversation that really helps them see why working with you is a good idea. And that's really what I focus a lot of my effort on right now.
0: Well, you know, we got introduced a number of years ago and I read your book, ditch the pitch fantastic book. And, you know, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. It's just great. And it really synthesizes all of the things that I think um, I learned early on in my career through many different methods of the good old uh, corporate sales training you get, right? So here we sit now in talking about the real estate profession and mainly to real estate professionals. And we're talking today in particular about this element of the life of a real estate professional called negotiating. Right. And as you and I have talked, there are so many layers to this mm-hmm. idea of negotiating and why I wanted to talk in particular um, with you about this and not, you know, the, you know, the great books written about negotiation. We all know Getting the Yes. I think, you know, if you pull most of us, we read it very early in sure. our careers, a uh, very famous book on negotiating. But, but what makes... The profession of real estate so different than, say, the attorney is it's constantly happening, this idea of communicating and negotiating and communicating and negotiating, right?
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, if you look at the fact that the real estate professional's success depends so much on building relationships with people, other agents, their clients, whether they're buyers or sellers. And through those relationships, you're constantly having conversations that bring your relationship forward. So there are many steps of negotiation. There's those big negotiations that close the sale, but there's many steps along the way you're trying to persuade other people to do. And like I said earlier, we got to take this whole idea of convincing people. You can't just make a great statement, an argument, and convince somebody. That's not the way the world works today. We're all right. so you're making decisions for ourselves. But what you can do is figure out what's this person's path to saying yes to you or to agreeing with you and find how to nurture them along that path through conversations.
0: Exactly. And so one of the ways that I thought we could construct our conversation is through through your book, right? You have mm-hmm. these habits. And so mm-hmm. if you can take a minute and really walk through these habits, right? Habits one through six.
1: Sure. The concept of ditch the pitch is based on developing six habits that get you so confident that you can create the perfect conversation for whoever you're speaking with. It's really about improvising conversations. We need to have some good habits so that we have the basics of conversation down and we can just focus on improvising the nuances for this person. And, you know, the first couple of habits are about figuring out what's going on. Habit number one is called think input before output. And let's face it, most people, when they're selling or or engaging customers think about output before input. Let me tell you what I got and then get your feedback. We wanna flip that around 180 degrees input before output. The second habit is called size up the scene. It's really about saying, okay, as I'm gathering this input, what's going on? Who is this person I'm speaking with? What's influencing them? What do they really care about? You're always walking in in the middle of somebody's story, their life story, and you gotta size up the scene and say, what's happening with this person? So those first two habits are about figuring out what's happening. I like to recommend to people to think about how curiosity is your superpower. Figure out what's happening. The next two habits are about creating a flowing conversation with lots of momentum. Habit three is called create a series of yeses, which is so important for negotiation. If you think about it, a a conversation with a customer, a client, or a relationship with them, even if you expand to that scale, it's all about getting a series of yeses going where you continually are getting affirmation and agreement from them to keep moving forward, creating a series of yeses. And habit four is called explore and heighten. Find out what that person cares about and take the conversation to a higher level. Our fifth habit recognizes that, that people care more about themselves than they care about you. Let's face it, they do. It's called, habit five is called focus the conversation on your customer. We teach people to make 95% of the conversation about the other person. When you do that, you've not only got their interest, you find out what they really care about and then you can weave your story together with them. Habit six is very important for negotiation. It's called don't rush the story. You may want to move quickly, but if you try to move faster than the other person, you'll actually slow the process down. you got to be very attuned to what pace they're comfortable moving in.
0: Well, that's terrific. I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes just as you're talking. I'm reminded of of these habits. And listen, I I think just like anything else, um, you've got to practice this, right? Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't, just assume you're going to read a book or try to do something new, and and, and suddenly you're just able to do it. Um, can you talk a little bit about where improv comes in for you here? Because I thought, as I've you know looked at what what you've put together in this book and the training that I've had and and put in place, this idea that you're improvising the person, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's you've got to improvise because every customer is different every person you deal with, and I'm using customer in a very broad sense, yeah. another agent is your customer, a client's your customer. In fact is, anybody you need to persuade to do things that'll help you succeed, consider them a customer. Let's use the word customer very broadly. And you realize that every customer is a unique human being, and every situation is different, meaning each customer, each person you deal with is different day to day. So you have to tear up your script, ditch the pitch, and be ready to adapt to whatever this situation demands. And we're all good at this. I mean, we're all good improvisers. We improvise our whole life. You know, we're always improvising when we're driving, cooking, talking to friends. Why not do it in our business conversations?
0: Why, why don't people do it?
1: Because it's, it's a really interesting thing. People could be totally loose with their friends and talking and just having a conversation. Let's face it. Nobody does a script before they go out with their friends on Saturday night, do they? Right. Of course. Right. But then we get in a business setting, we think, oh, this is how I'm supposed to do it. I've got my PowerPoint deck. I've got my marketing materials. Let me walk people through it. No. The the main principle of Ditch the Pitch is to turn every presentation into a conversation that matters to the other person. Don't make any presentations. Only have conversations that matter to other people. And the only way you can create a conversation that matters to another person is to be adapting to what they really care about. You can't know that before you get in the conversation. So why do we need habits to improvise? Because Humans are great improvisers, but also 30 to 40% of our behavior is habitual. It may seem contradictory because habits are about things you do repeatedly, and improv is something you do uniquely. It's not contradictory because with the habits, so they give you a platform of you know, good conversational skills like responding to what somebody says, have the habit of letting them talk more than you. And then you can improvise the details of this conversation on top of that bed of habits. But imp- improv is incredibly important because you just don't know what's happening until you get in the conversation with this person. Until they, and throughout the conversation, they're throwing you curveballs. new information comes up, you have to adapt to it.
0: Right. And so if we, if we take what we're talking about here and say, now let's, let's, let's unpack it for a specific situation where you've got to get, you've got to persuade someone that, you know, this is, this is how something needs to be. So the idea of habit number two in sizing up the scene. Okay. Right. So, h- how do you think about that relative to negotiation?
1: Great point. Great question. So, let's, let's assume there is an end goal where you and the other person can find through negotiation an, an agreement. Great. How are you going to get there? Well, sizing of the scene says who is this person? What's influencing them? What do they care about? What kind of conversation will be most engaging to them? And so, when you're really perceptive is saying, okay, who is this person? How do they make decisions? What's their their personality like? Um, are they really risk averse or not? They like to dominate a conversation or not. Um, when you start to notice these things about somebody, that'll help you adapt your principles of conversation to them. Another part of sizing up the scene is understanding what's going on in their life. We call it understand the context of the conversation. Who's influencing them? What's influencing them? Do they have a deadline that's influencing them? Do they have a budget that's influencing them? Do they have another person they work with or that they're a family member that's influencing them if it's a buyer or a seller. And so as you size up the scene, you can start to understand what this person's path to yes is. Everybody's got their own path to yes. And don't think that the other person's path to yes is like yours. It certainly isn't. But by sizing up the scene, you can figure out what's the best way to get them there. And then your negotiation is creating a conversation to, 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 to walk along that path with them.
0: So what does it mean to listen, listen for the game?
1: Listen for the game is a practice we have um, under our habit, size of the scene. Ditch the Pitch has six habits, like, like I mentioned. And Each habit has three practices. It's a very straightforward way to learn and to, and to work. Listen for the game is a, it's a term that comes out of stage improv, uh, which we can learn so much from those folks who can go on a stage and just improvise a scene out of nothing. And listen for the game is this idea that if a bunch of actors go on a stage and they have no script, what they're doing is they're listening and saying, okay, what's the game we're playing here? What's the and game in quotes, so what, what are we doing here? And you can think of it like, like little kids who going to a playground with a real game. They don't do a strategic plan before they go on the playground. They go out there and start playing and the game emerges. So listen for the game is, as you start talking to somebody, be attentive to what kind of conversation will be most, most engaging for them. Do they wanna move quickly? Do they wanna move slowly. Do they wanna dominate the conversation? Do they wanna listen more? Um, what kind of tone and manner of conversation is most receptive to them when you do that and you can adapt to their conversational style you've gone a long way to engaging them in a collaborative conversation that can lead to yes
0: so when when i think about this um the sizing up the scene all that you really did say was listen and pay attention right and that and kind interpret. of interpret listen pay and attention
1: interpret, and interpret. yeah
0: like interpret in what way? Like, what did I just hear? Like, help me here.
1: Yeah, the interpret part of sizing up the scene is is, is. there's three parts. Who is this person? We call it know who you're with. You know, This is a unique human being I'm talking to. Like, let's say you're a real estate agent and you've got a, a, a listing client. So let's say it's a couple, 40 years old and they're selling this kind of house in this kind of neighborhood and they have two kids and whatever. And you've had lots of clients just like this you know, 40 years old, same kind of job, same kind of kids, same neighborhoods. Well, guess what? You have never had a client just like this because they're unique human beings. Yeah. And we have to really interpret what makes this person unique. The second part of sizing up the scene is what's going on in their world, right? What's influencing them? What's, what's their backstory? What, what's driving their decision-making, other uh, influences driving right. their decision-making? And then also listening for the game, what kind of conversational style is best for them? So as you interpret those things, you're in a great position to move them along, a course, towards yes.
0: So you talk about making sure that a conversation is always moving forward, right? Right. Like that's how you know that there's something happening here. And so the next step after sizing up the scene and paying attention, listening and interpreting really is then how do you create this series of yeses so that the conversation keeps propelling forward? Can you give us some examples of that?
1: Sure. What we, the term I love that gets into right what you're asking about, Diane, which is conversational momentum. You know, think about this. We've all been in conversations that are dragging. It's like, I can't wait to get out of it, right? We also, every one of us has been in thousands of conversations in our life that have that momentum. They're moving forward. The The, the icon we use, when we, we we showed this graphically, is green lights. Imagine you're driving. just You don't have to put on your brakes because each intersection you go through, the light's green. That's what you want your Negotiating partner, your customer to be thinking about is just feeling this is conversations moving forward, because everybody you're speaking with has lots of distractions in their life, and you want to earn their attention so that they're sharing with you what they care about. They're listening to you, and conversational momentum makes that happen. How do you do that? Well, we have this habit we call creating a series of yeses, and what we got to think about is there's that big yes where somebody goes, "Sure, I'll I'll agree to do what you want to do," whether it's as big as buy the house or as maybe it's just I'll agree to, to to stage the house, or I'll agree to do these renovations, or the other agent agree, I'll agree to take that to my client. Whatever it is, that that yes, where they agree to do something with you, is preceded by a series of small yeses of affirmation agreement that leads you there. A conversation, at its heart, is really a series of yeses, and so if you can get somebody to continually feel like you're affirming, agreeing, and creating that conversational momentum, they'll keep sharing information with you that's important to them. They'll be open to listening to you, and you'll be able to constantly nurture that conversation towards that place where you're both going to be happy.
0: And is this, is this conversational momentum, is this you kind of playing back the things that you heard them say?
1: Well, that's an important part of it. We we have a practice and Ditch the Pitch we call create callbacks. I don't mean a telephone callback. Sure, we want people to call us back. but I mean oh. by callback, it's, you've all heard this when, like it happens in comedy shows or funny movies all the time where. A scene happens; it's funny, and then a few minutes later, it gets re- referenced again, and it seems funny the second time because you see this continuity of, 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 of uh, content. Same thing happens with somebody. If somebody tells you something's really important to them, and you refer back to it later, think what it does. It tells them you were listening to them, but also, and this is a very important negotiation principle: people will never argue with their own information. So if you if somebody says something is important to them, and then you manage later to reference out something you're saying connects to what they told you was important two minutes ago, five minutes ago, yesterday, last week, whatever it is, when you can reference back to something somebody told you was important, it's like, it's magical. She was listening to me. He was listening to me. And again, like I said, people don't argue with their own information. It's a great principle to remember.
0: One of the things is as that, I, that I've learned over the years, and I, I wonder where this fits in here. Is this idea of I can say it, but if you say it, it has a totally different uh, impact on the conversation, right? And so, getting, you know, pardon me, go ahead.
1: I love that. Keep going.
0: Well, the idea that for sure I can tell you that I'm great, right? But if I get you to say that, that's a whole different part of the conversation. Or if everything that you're saying is leading up to, you know uh, uh, what what it is you eventually want. I've noticed some people then say what it is you were going to say, versus letting you say it because it changes the conversation of the the. It just changes the whole conversation. I I'm not as eloquent as you, so you can
1: you can. Yeah, just, you, yeah. I love how you said that. What you said is perfect. It's it's great. It's that. Go back to something I've said, I think a couple of times, is that we can't convince people of things. This late date in history, we are all so self-reliant. We make decisions for ourselves. I mean, of course we are influenced, but we believe we have agency to decide everything for ourselves. I don't want anybody convincing me what to do. Do you? None of no. us. Mm-mm. So what we're trying to do is not convince people to agree with us. We're nurturing a conversation. So they get to the point where they say, yes, I, I have a line in my first book, Brand Harmony where I I reference as I say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him think, right? Sort of changing the last word of the famous adage. It's like I can lead you a place, but I can't tell you what to think. But if I am understanding where you're coming from, I'm thinking input before output, I'm sizing up the scene, I'm creating this series of yeses, I'm focused on you, and I'm learning all about what you care about, and I'm nurturing the conversation in a way that supports what you care about, and weaving my story in with yours, you're going to get to the point where you go, yeah, this makes sense. Let's do it. Because This is the thing we got to remember. You cannot convince people to do things. Nobody wants to be convinced. You can persuade them by leading them to a point where they go, yeah, that makes sense for me. There's this idea in negotiation and in selling. And even if you look at advertising, it's like, if I give you enough proof points, it's like a a column of numbers. You go, "Eh, it adds up. I should say yes. Uh -uh, That's not how people make decisions, right? You can't just load proof points and people expect them to say yes to you. What you can do is figure out what their best path to yes is and then, you know, collaborate with them to walk down that path to get to a point where you're going to be happy with when they say yes.
0: You know, I think a lot of folks want this to be easy. Like, let's let's be real. We also live in a very right now society. And as I listen to you and you think about how often this happens in in, in anyone's day to day life. But then add to it this idea that really the subtext of what a real estate professional is is they are promoting persuaders, right? Right. Or right. persuading promoters, like what, however you want to yeah. say that. And and I've found that that those that are highly attuned and very self-aware to that, uh, there's a definitive line to success. Like you can't kind of say, well. I'm not a really great negotiator or I'm not a really great conversationalist or I'm not really a great salesperson, but I'm a really successful real estate professional. It just doesn't work.
1: No, of course not.
0: Um, But some of those words, and you and I have talked about this at great length, that some of those words are not words that the real estate community wants folks to embrace. So, for example, we like the word marketing much more than we like the word sales because sales has such the negative connotation, not the way you talk about it, right? Because you talk about this ditching of the pitch and ditching right. of, of the wanna buy, wanna buy, wanna buy, wanna buy, right? And really it becomes about you're a professional and this person has said these things to you and you're saying back to them, well, this is what we've talked about. This makes sense, right? Right. right? Like that's that's how that works. And so- so as we weave in the life of a uh, really just about any professional who wants to persuade someone else, right? What are their pieces like? The sizing up the scene, I think, is is just so critical because it makes you focus on them and not you. We right. we we love our mirrors, right? We love focusing on how nervous we are about the conversation and never thinking that the other people might be nervous too, right? right? Um, and and so what, what comes next in this, right? You've sized up the scene. You're, you're focusing very hard on making sure you understand someone's path to, to yes. What's next?
1: So let me, it's it's so interesting. I want to just weave in to, to, to answer what you're saying here, is to realize that in this whole process, as we look at these ditch the pitch habits, what we're trying to do to get somebody to say yes, is, is. You know, people are scared of the word sales. I think they shouldn't be, but think of it this way. Let's reframe it. That what we're really talking about here is using conversations to build relationships because relationships lead to commitment and commitment leads to success. Let me unpack what I just said. When you create conversations that matter to the other person, those conversations become the building blocks of a trusting and collaborative relationship. And what do we mean by that? We can throw the word relationship around like it's a cliche, but let's think what it means. It means when somebody's frame of reference isn't, me and you, but as we, when, like, let's say the client you're working with doesn't think of you as just their real estate agent, but they look at you as their collaborative partner. Even another agent looks at you as somebody who's, I know it's within the the bounds of, you know, of course, but it's like, we are collaborating, we're working together, we're understanding each other, we're honoring each other's needs. So conversations are the building blocks, conversations that matter, the building blocks of relationships. And when somebody's frame of reference is they're in a relationship with you, not that you're trying to sell them something, they're more likely to commit to you. And isn't that really what your business success is all about? If you're a real estate professional, is getting people to commit to you, commit to your ideas, commit to signing contracts with you, commit to taking your advice. So so how do we do this? How do we take conversations that turn to relationships, that turn to commitment, that turn to success? And we've talked about this idea of input before output and sizing of the scene, We're using your curiosity to find out about somebody. And we talk about then creating a series of yeses to build conversational momentum. And then we do something we call exploring and heightening, which is accelerate the conversational momentum by finding out what somebody cares about and then talking about it. So let's say you're trying to persuade somebody. Let's just use an example of you're trying to persuade somebody to give you the listing on their house. And you know the way a lot of people do it, they say, let me tell you about all my credentials, okay? Fine, you might, you know, like throwing a dart in a dark room, you might accidentally hit the target. On the other hand, if what you do is say, tell me about you, and you find out some hot button that's really important to this couple that you're talking to about getting listening with, when you find out what they really care about, don't go, okay, great. Move to the next, go to the next question. Ask them more about that. Dig in. Have them tell you about why this is important to them. Unpack it. Dig deep into why it's important to them and you, you will find magic in there. They will tell you what really matters to them. And they're going to be really flattered that you care so much about what they care about. So, this idea of exploring and heightening is find out what somebody cares about and dig into it. They will be handing you gifts in that process, saying, This is what matters to me, this is what I care about. And the more somebody tells you what matters to them, what they care about, the easier you can then craft a wonderful conversation that's going to make them want to collaborate with you and you'll get you get to a better place. You'll probably get to a yes that's better for you than if you try to just pound it, pound it into them.
0: So, okay. So now I'm gonna. Get really real about this so this is really about negotiating as a step in in what the institute calls uh, you know the blueprint for success like you've got Got to have the skill yeah and yet what i've found is that that skill somehow is always talked about as a i don't know out there on an island somewhere right like you've got to know how to do this right as you talk about it it strikes me that it's woven into the entire relationship. Yeah. I love how you said that. Yeah.
1: That's an important way to look at it, Diane. It's like, don't look at this. Oh, I got to go learn to ditch the pitch. And then I got to go learn about, you know, whatever legal things I got to know. And I got to learn how to do a. Con- it's like, what we're talking about, ditch the pitch is the most fundamental human thing. Humans have had evolved conversation for at least 200,000 years. We're really good at it. We've been practicing it for a long time, thousands of generations. Let's use this skill. If we take these fundamental human talents for conversation and weave them into our business to every moment of it, it's, it's an integral skill. This isn't an island. This is something that is critical to every time you're interacting with somebody in your job. And if you think about it, like you said earlier, Diane, that like, like real estate professionals are promoting persuaders or persuading promoters. Really what that means is that this is such a human profession. It's yeah. all about interacting with people on one of the most important decisions they're going to make if it's the homeowner. And if it's another agent, their livelihood, interacting with people on something that is so incredibly important to their life in such a human way, where you're not trying to like, you know, do something unnatural and convince them to do something. You're having natural human conversations. This is fundamental to what it means to do this. So don't think of yourself just as a salesperson. Sure, you are selling. What you're doing is building human relationships that encourage people to want to commit to you. And the way you do that is through conversations that matter. That's what it's all
0: about. So, so, the reality of that, and I want to pick one very specific piece of the the job, if you will sure, and that is you know now I've gotten a i'm just i should call it what it is, I've gotten a written offer, and now I have to go get you know someone else to take that offer right, and there's all kinds of of um quote i'm doing air quotes around ways to negotiate, okay meet you in the middle, give up half here. Do the, you know, where I'm going, right? Right. Think win-win. And how does this become, how how does what we're talking about weave into that scenario where it's, it's all together. It's not, it's not a moment in time.
1: Right. Interesting. So let's take that example of you've got a written offer and now you've got to persuade somebody to take that offer, right? Yep. I choose that as an example. So, you know, our first of all, let's remember the fundamental principle I mentioned is turn every presentation into a conversation that matters. Obviously, you got to present your offer, but how do you do it through conversations? The other person is actually really engaged, right? Um, and so, that, so are you, are you thinking, Diana, like you're the listing agent trying to get your, your client to accept the written offer, right?
0: Either or. It doesn't matter. It's just sort of that, part of the process where it gets down to the breast. Um, yeah. yeah. Something that feels like it's, 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 um, it's confrontational.
1: Okay. Right? So this is what we don't want it to be confrontational. Right. right. We don't win then because what happens is if we're in that position of it's a zero sum game and I'm trying to get from you, that's never going to be good for us. Right. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is, Again, like we said earlier, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them think, we can't convince people to do things. But if in the presentation of the offer, let's say over the past few months, you've been thinking input before output and sizing up the scene, and you know what this person really cares about. You've been exploring and heightening and finding what they care about. When you present that offer, don't just present it You know, in, you know, in isolation, relate it to what you know. This is what you've told me is important to you. And this is how I believe this offer matches up with what you need. In other words, make it about them, not just about the offer. We have a practice and ditch the pitch, a habit we call focus the conversation on the customer. And a practice to do that, we call we the practice we employ to, to, to get in that habit is making 95% of the conversation about the other person, which means you present that offer, don't just say, here's an offer and make them do the heavy lifting of saying, why is this offer good for me? Relate the offer to what you already know about them and say, You've told me this is important to you. Here's how I think this could. Could match what you have said is important. So, make it about them, not just about the offer.
0: Yeah, I think that's I, I, that's really what I was trying to get us to is the the practice behind it, not just the act of. Okay, well, if it's a million dollars and I offer nine hundred, it should be nine fifty, right? Like right. It's it's the what is right and and i have to say this is there's a lot of that out there in in the way that the way that folks are just taught generally in life um and and not about the practice or the habit of always making sure that it's about the other person or the other thing that's happening so that it doesn't feel like too you know things, and then it ultimately comes in as a confrontation. Nobody wants that, but it's like everything t- tends to wind up there.
1: Right. What's interesting is it's kind of the lazy default way to just go to the "I'll meet you in the middle" thing. But we know it happens. You know, I mean, you know, uh, it's we've we've all gone through that. So the question is, how do we, how do we deflect from that? Which which gets a really interesting point. The default lazy thing is to think that price is the only issue. Yeah, price is one of many issues. And every transaction on the planet, whether it's real estate or anything else, has price as part of it, but it 's usually not the only thing and One of the things if you're doing this well and really understanding what the other person cares about, you can find other issues that are important that can help them make a decision that 's not just about price and yeah, one of
0: the one of the things that we teach in our program is really the idea that when when you're negotiating with or talking to or trying to win a listing for an affluent or high net worth individual and they're very, very sophisticated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um how is that different? And and what are they what what is that exchange like? And should it be different? Right? Should well, the I, approach be any different?
1: With the affluent person, right? Yeah. Well, I think what it is, it's a really important point. I, I said something earlier, know who you're with. Who is this unique human being? And what we have to be careful of is to just generalize and think all affluent people are one way and all non-affluent all right. people are another way. Yes, there are certain general principles and trends you're more likely to see with more affluent people. At the same time, be willing to say, what does this affluent person care about? Because it might be different than the last one you you, you spoke with. Um, we have to realize that there are, there are trends and general principles, but each human being is unique. So you can use the what you know about affluent people in general as a as a starting point, but be willing to figure out what this person really cares about. Um, there's there's often a time to uh, a, a, a tendency to caricature the affluent as they only care about this or they only care about that. Well, maybe, but what about this person you're talking to? Right, right. right. That, that
0: idea, I think that's that's probably my favorite thing about what you do and what you've taught me, which, I, you know. I love this idea that we're always improvising. But yeah. in order to improvise, you have to be present.
1: 100% right? present. You have to be there, right?
0: Yeah, you can't, you can't make assumptions, right? Like I love the four agreements. Like, uh, You know, you, you can't make assumptions. You can't fill in those blanks. It's really not always about you. It's really about them. Um, yeah, this is really terrific. I love your book. Um, it's It's a staple for Institute members, for sure. That the um this this art of persuasion as it relates to relationships and and no scripts no scripts right. you know real people right
1: yeah and I think you know you mentioned something earlier that sometimes this isn't easy to be a promoting persuader a persuading promoter what I want to encourage everybody to do is that as you practice these principles and I've seen it with the thousands of people I've worked with and ditched the pitch over the years you just it, you just gain so much fluency ease and confidence. I can't tell how many people have told me this has made Mm -hmm. interacting with my customers so much easier. So I encourage everybody, just practice these ideas. And pretty soon it's going to be so much easier to do what you really need to do in your work, which is persuade people to commit to you. That's great.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Steve.
1: Thank you, Diane. Always a pleasure. As always. Yeah. Great to see you. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute, you can find more at luxuryhomemarketing.com. If you like what you just heard, please share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thanks for listening.